Hello there. Welcome. It is Friday. It is Eric Erickson. I'm delighted to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I actually want to begin this hour with a phone call because there's some data and I just think, so what happens when you call the show, if you've never called, is you talk to my call screener, you got to convince him that you're worthwhile putting on uh, and you're not going to slur your words or say things you shouldn't. And then he puts in who you are and the general topic of what you're calling about. And because I was going to get here, I am going to go talk to Gary right now. Gary, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Eric. Nice talking to you again, bud. Yeah, you too. Yeah, listen, uh, the other day we were talking about how expensive diapers were for families and things. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a part-time stock boy at Publix, and one of my aisles are the baby aisles. Mm-hmm. You, you remember the old show, Supermarket Sweep? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, where they used to have to go through the store and get the most expensive stuff, right, yeah. and they would add it up. Well, I used to think like tenderloins and stuff were the way to go. We have baby food, the uh, formulas, mm-hmm. for a can is like 50 or $60 a can. Wow. Wow. So it is crazy. Diapers start at like 25 to $30 a box, and the formulas are just wildly priced. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I can't, my, my oldest son just had a baby. She's like five months old, and it, it's crazy, the prices for when we were younger, you know. Yeah, okay, so important question here. Uh, is this your first grandchild? Second. Second. All right. All right. So you're already into the spoiling business. Okay, then never mind. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, with Christmas absolutely. coming up. Yeah, it's good for you. <laughs> Drop the kids off. Do you know, um, so we dropped my son off when he was potty training with my mother-in-law, and she came up with the ingenious idea that got him potty training. She just let him go outside to pee every time he wanted to pee. And the problem was that he came home, and he would want to run outside and into the side yard to pee. But <laughs> by God, it got him out of his diaper as quick as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny that you say that because my my oldest one is three and a half, my grandson, and mm-hmm. he goes out in the pee in the backyard on the trees. Also, <laughs> it works. <laughs> it works. It yeah. works. Oh boy! <laughs> Listen, thank you, Gary, That's and great. I appreciate the intel there on on the prices. And and this gets to exactly uh, what I want to talk about. Gallup has this data. Inflation is causing hardship for forty five percent of U.S. households at the peak of holiday shopping. As winter is Temperatures are driving up heating costs. 45% of American households report recent price increases are causing a degree of financial hardship. 10% describe it as severe hardship affecting their standard of living, while another 35% say the hardship is moderate. Lower income, less educated Americans are the most affected. Now, why is this? This is important. Inflation is up by about 6%. Incomes are up at the the median, not the average, but the median is 2.5%. So if your inflation is 6% and your median income increases only 2.5%, you're still getting hit with more than 3% inflation, with more than 3% decrease in, in your ability to live. Now, let's take this, uh, particularly, you know, this week as, as they argue over Dobbs and, and the reversal of Roe, 
Think about the new moms out there. Now, to Gary's point as well, uh, I don't talk about this one very much on radio, but my wife, right after we got married, had to have a what was called a prophylactic mastectomy. Uh, they they did a mastectomy on, of my wife, bilateral both um, mastectomy because of her family history, an absurdly high history of breast cancer in her family. I mean, we, we were playing with time if we didn't go on and do that. So we did. But as a result... We had to use formula for both of our kids. It was expensive then. Similac, that's some expensive stuff. It's really expensive. And my gosh, did it stink, by the way. Just as an aside, those of you who, who uh, breastfeed your children, uh, just, man, the formula, I'm oh, about to gag on radio just thinking about the smell. Oh, my gosh, it is some nasty stuff. And oh, okay. I gotta, I gotta change subject here. I'm gonna be sick on air. It really does stink, but it's expensive, and diapers are expensive. And when the kid hits the grocery, for those of you who, who either you, it, it's been so long that you don't remember it, or you don't have kids, babies hit a growth spurt, and it's like this overnight thing, where one day. That diaper can hold everything that comes out of the kid, and the next day you go in there, and it is a um, just disgusting mess. Like you got you got stuff coming out of every seam of the diaper. And by the way, notice I'm not as sick thinking about that as I am the smell of Similac. <laughs> it's awful stuff. But I mean, and, and so you've got all of these diapers. Like we would have all of these diapers. And then just one day, it was, I'm not kidding y'all, it was like overnight, we suddenly needed larger diapers. What do you do with the, what do you do with the diapers? Well, you give them to friends or you, you give them to a, a, a diaper, um, it, it, there are lots of nonprofits that will distribute diapers and, and you can you can give them, thank goodness, because we felt horrible, horrible tr- throwing away diapers because they're so expensive. And we had the first, well, we use the cloth diapers. You should use the cloth diapers. Hell no. Excuse my language. Absolutely not. There is no way on God's good earth I am using a cloth diaper. I am sorry, Elmer Gantry. This is called the 21st century. Welcome to it. There's this thing called a disposable diaper that has little chemicals inside that that soak up all the pee and you get little crystals until your kid that night suddenly has the growth spurt and the next day it explodes and you've got these little pee crystals. <laughs> oh, oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Y'all should all have children. It's a wonderful experience. <laughs> it really is. But nonetheless, here's the point. I digress. It's getting really expensive. And if you're thinking of places to give or, or things to do, like I, I told you all the other day, I've got a friend of mine, and she was telling me she and her husband, without fail, every single week when they go to the grocery store, they buy diapers and they donate them. They, they don't have their, all their kids are grown up and out of the house. They're and without grandkids yet. They're hoping for grandkids, they don't have them yet. But they buy diapers every single week and they donate them to a local nonprofit, pro-life nonprofit in their community uh, for um, poor moms who need diapers and can't afford them can go get them. And there is such a need out there, such a need for that sort of stuff, for formula and for diapers. It's so expensive, y'all. It's expensive. It's gotten worse in the last year. On top of that, you got the supply chain crisis and all of that. 
Um, I just I, there are a lot of people out there who I don't know that they can appreciate the cost of it. And I'm telling you, the costs are real. And and when we were, I, I don't mind telling y'all, this is oversharing, I realize it. Um, when we had our first child, I was five years into working at a law firm. And I was not making 50000 And the, for a lot of people, I realize that sounds like a lot. But our student loans at the time were more than our mortgage. And then we had a child. And we couldn't do breastfeeding because of Christie's mastectomy. We had the medical bills from that as well. And then we had to buy formula and diapers. And the Erickson household is one of those households very much too proud to ask for help. And, I mean, it was a burden. And thankfully, God was very good, and I got a better job that that paid a whole lot more. But my wife was working, and I was working. And, I mean, we were barely making – oh, it, there was a long time where we were we were really – barely making ends meet. And it was actually saved us money to buy a house because the rental prices were so much more. Um, but then, of course, you have the joys of homeownership and all of that. But in any event, it's it's expensive out there. And with the inflation hitting right now, poor people are deeply affected by it, particularly poor families are very affected by it. All right, back to the phones we go. Ronnie, I want to go to you next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. I'm glad you got the time slot. It's, I don't get a chance to listen that much, but Thank you. Good to have intelligent discussion. Um, so I've always been Republican, and the last couple of times, I grew up near New York, and Trump was like a, a punchline. Everybody was aware of the guy, but he, was, he wasn't was serious. He was just some Wait, okay, bitch. hang on, Ronnie, stop, stop. A, a guy with your accent grew up near New York City? You're, you're kidding me. <laughs> I love it. I could tell you were from up north with your accent. Not to pick on you, but listen, you could tell I'm from the south. I could tell you grew up near New York. Oh, I moved. I moved north to get to Atlanta. Really? Yeah, from Florida. Oh, from Florida. But okay. I am, <laughs> I am from up there. Anyway, so so you know the guy was never taken seriously. So all of a sudden now he's president. Now, I I've always been a Republican. I grew up in when communities were pretty tight. Information flow in America was fairly consistent and universal. There was some differing things, but news almost looked like news for most of my life. And now that's completely separated into the group, whoever group you follow, that's what you listen to. You don't listen to the other side. Mm-hmm. So my worry is Trump is probably going to be the next president. I mean, Obama's going to make it maybe through this term. Kamala's not going to get any more popular than she isn't already. There's no one in their uh, bench, yeah. and there's no one in our bench. And, and by and the way, petrified. Uh, Ronnie, yeah. you just said Obama instead of Biden. But, yeah, I, I got what you meant. All right, so thanks. And <laughs> the thing is, it's like I've been watching all this dismantling going on in governments and, and, and Republican statesmen who have been turning their cheek you know, the other way. And, well, yeah, I really do like Trump after all. Of course, it's good for me politically. And it's to the point now where I have very little faith, and I've been looking at other countries. I mean, is there any chance that somebody can pop up and be listened to and, and get some favor and be credible and normal? And, and so the regular Americans can get excited again and not be so fearful of the choices that are out there. Yeah, you know, listen, uh, first of all, don't give up on the American people. Uh, don't give up on the people. That sometimes, Listen, I, you, if you listen to me, you know, I, I think people are stupid. But but overall, uh, we're, we're the last best hope for mankind, if we can remember that. The people are good. I see what you're saying about Trump. I still think 
2024 is a long time away. Events change things. Uh, if Trump is not successful in nursing his grudges in 2022, that dramatically changes things for him. And I really do think by 2024, keep in mind uh, that we're in what we're December 3rd of 2021. At the beginning of this year, uh, 90% of Republicans said they wanted Donald Trump to run for re-election in 2024. Uh, by March, it was down to 80%. Uh, by June, it was down to, to um, 70%. And as of last month in uh, several different polls, the average is only 60% of Republicans wanting to run again. So that number's going down as, as we get further and further away from that election. And people are starting to look, I, I, you, whether you've got a DeSantis or a Haley or a Hawley or a Cruz or a Cotton or a Ducey or someone will stand up. Uh, part of this as well is keep in mind that Donald Trump, by the time he seeks to run for office again, if he does, will be the age Joe Biden is now. Is, is that not just crazy, by the way, that Donald Trump was the youngest man? He was the younger man in the race. And in fact, among Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden, Donald Trump was still younger than all of them. That's how geriatric the, the Democratic Party has become. Well, listen, I, I get this, Ronnie, from a number of people. I've got a friend of mine who is looking at property in Costa Rica, and another buddy of mine is infatuated with, well, he was infatuated with moving to Australia until the COVID cracked down and he saw what authoritarians they'd become. Don't give up on the United States of America. Don't bet against the United States of America. We're going through a political realignment in the country. We, in our lifetimes, have never seen that. The last major political realignment in this country was the early 1900s. It tends to happen in this country towards the beginning of a century. In the first quarter of a century, this country's history in the 1800s and the 1900s, in the 2000s, we've had political realignments. And that's what's going on right now. And so for a lot of people, what's what they thought was up is now down. What they thought was left is now right. What they thought was right was now left. You've got conservatives out there now advocating for unionism, and you've got progressives out there advocating against unionism right now. You actually got a lot of socialists out there advocating for it with the conservatives. It, none of it makes any sense to people right now. It's a crazy time. Uh, so ground yourself in your principles and what you know to be true. Don't give up on the people. Uh, don't fret about the future. You and I cannot control the future. Events change things. They're, we're not even to the midterms yet. So I think it's too soon to start fretting about 2024. I talk about it, I realize. You kind of got to talk about it, particularly on the Democratic side. There's a lot of news out there, particularly among who would the Democrats go with instead of Biden because everyone knows, despite what he says, he's not running again. But events change things. Hold fast to your principles. What you know is true. Don't worry about 2024 because there's nothing you can do about it. There's no reason to stew over it. What you can focus on is the here and the now and finding good people to run for office right now for the coming year's election. And then after we get through that process, then we turn, turn our eye to 2024 and see the lay of the land. Things may be dramatically different by then. Remember as well, in 1983... Ronald Reagan, after the 1982 midterms that went terribly for the Republicans in 1983, Ronald Reagan had a 32% popular approval rating. Did y'all know that? 32% of the Gallup poll. And back then, polling was wildly accurate. 
Ronald Reagan had a 32% approval rating in 1983. He went on, one year later, to win all but one state in the District of Columbia. So events change things. Sometimes your direction, sometimes against them, but it's too soon to even guess right now as to what's going to happen. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson. The phone number, 877-973-7425. The, a judge in Virginia, this is breaking news, a judge in Virginia has just confirmed the Republicans won a seat in Virginia Beach, Virginia. It's taken that long to battle it out. It was a fought over absentee ballots. The Republicans have won officially now capturing the Virginia House of Delegates. Now, what's so interesting here is in 2017, the Democrats won that seat and took the House of Delegates. And immediately presumed because of Northern Virginia that they would never lose again. What do I always tell you? Shh. Events change things. The Democrats in 2017 in Virginia, they thought they would never lose again. So you know what they did? presuming they would never lose again, that it would be theirs in perpetuity, that it would become like California, they changed the rules of the House of Delegates. So the Republicans all had to park a half mile down the street from the state capitol. Couldn't park anywhere near. It would be reserved for the majority and their staff. And the Republicans would only be allowed to have two people on the floor of the House of Delegates to assist them while the majority could have an unlimited number. (laughs) The Republicans in the Virginia House of Delegates, they're going to pretty much just adopt the rules the Democrats themselves wrote in 2017. Events change things. There's nothing permanent in politics. Even in California, You will one day see Republicans come back. It will take time. The Republican Party in California is filled with a bunch of cranks. But that party will come back one day because there's nothing permanent in politics. There there never is. And for any party to get it in its head that it is going to be a permanent political majority, that is the moment that that party begins to lose. They begin to take actions that have consequences, and then Murphy's Law plays out and all hell breaks loose. That is the story of American politics from time immemorial. There's no permanence in American politics. Just ask Karl Rove how his permanent Republican majority worked out in 2002. Ask Barack Obama how his permanent Democratic majority worked out in 2009. The Democrats are the ones who chiefly believe that demography is destiny, and they're getting abused by it. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Red, I'm going to go to you next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Uh, I'm just tuning in, and I'm sorry to go a little off topic, but I've got a question. I was hoping you could help me understand. Um, But with this proposed unrealized gains on your 401k, how is that any different than the mark-to-market accounting that Enron was doing, and why can they do something like that now? Um, okay, so you should know that they have had to take it out of the legislation. They proposed it, uh, but they've stripped it out now because of that exact thing. 
the accounting rules did not work in the Congressional Budget Office. And then Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema both said absolutely not. Uh, and the moderates in the House Democratic Caucus also said no way, in large part because of what you're saying, it's an accounting gimmick. Uh, and there was no process by which to then refund money to the people who had to pay the unrealized gains if they then sold the stock uh, at a lesser amount. Um, all of it was an, a gimmick to begin with, a way to tax millionaires and billionaires and foster class resentment. But unfortunately, as, as you know, Red, our government is becoming very much like an Imran or an Enron or an MCI. I mean, it's so much of what they're doing accounting wise makes no sense whatsoever. In fact, there's a story out, uh, today that we could expect any day now we're going to start defaulting on our debt again because they won't raise the debt ceiling. And the Republicans and Democrats trying to come up with a compromise on that. I personally think that instead of raising the debt limit, let's just cut spending. But they're not going to do that either. It's frustrating. By the way, this reminds me, um, I made a talk about this earlier in a short segment, and so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I do want you all to know. So I was, I, I had a charitable event last night. I I was being charitable, letting people drink from my bourbon collection and to fight childhood cancer. They all ponied up a good bit of money. They got to come hang out with me and answer any questions. And one of the questions I was asked is on radio, uh, how do I pick advertisers? Well, first of all, <clears throat> advertisers. They pick me. <laughs> but, you know, I, I tell advertisers no. And so they were actually they were asking about what advertisers won't I do. Uh, believe it or not, I've been asked to do like ED advertisements. I, there's no way I would ever do that. Hi, guys. I take a little blue pill. I, no, there's no way. Nope. Not ever going to do that on radio. Um <laughs> I can't believe people do. Um, but also, like supplements, you you won't hear me talk about a supplement unless there, I've, there are vitamins and, and supplements that I take, but they're not advertisers. And I'm not going to tell you that I take a supplement or, or some sort of vitamin or, or wonder drug if I'm not actually taking it. And then the other one is gold. On conservative talk radio in particular, you hear a lot about gold investments. I don't invest. Now, there may come a time when I do invest in gold, and I'll tell you all, and I won't mind an ad. And I don't mind gold advertisements on my show. I just don't want to be the endorser because it's not an investment for me. I actually don't think that gold in my position or position of most people really does a lot. But you hear a lot about gold in conservative radio in large part because conservatives, all of their advertising research shows, tend to be self-invested. Uh, conservatives more so than liberals and progressives tend to like to manage their own retirement funds. And gold advertisers offer them a lucrative option. And, you know, in your IRAs, you don't have to invest in stocks and bonds in your IRA. You can invest in rental property in your IRA. You got to do it in a particular way through an LLC. It's got to be set up in a certain way. You can't stay in the rental property ever. But you can you can do novel schemes in your retirement planning. And, you know, I'm actually working with some folks now to if if I ever get into bigger syndicated radio and my income starts growing, to be mindful and proactive in planning. Well, one of the things with conservative advertising is gold. You, you hear the gold ads a lot. And some gold companies try to induce people to put it into their IRAs. So you need to listen to this. This is from uh, this is a tax court case, Andrew McNulty versus Commissioner. The case is now out. This is the Wall Street Journal. Owners of individual retirement accounts 
with assets invested in gold and silver coins cannot store them in a safe at their home. This is according to the new case, Andrew McNulty versus Commissioner. Uh, Mr. McNulty and his wife will have to pay taxes of nearly $270,000 on $730,000 of IRA assets and penalties in excess of $50,000. Now, why? Let me just read you from this. The court ruling disallows a scheme heavily promoted when radio and internet ads touted the benefits of using IRA assets to buy gold and silver coins and then storing them at home or in a safe deposit box. Promoters based pitches on a perceived ambiguity in the law. In truth, there really was no ambiguity, and there were warnings from the IRS and legal specialists. Essentially, you can, you can buy gold and silver coins for your IRA, but they must be deposited somewhere where you do not control them. And in this case, the McNulty's had a safe deposit box that only they had access to. And so they were going in and out and, in fact, then stored some at home. And in so storing their gold coins instead of leaving their gold coins with a trustee where they didn't have direct access – they, uh, the IRS ruled that it was a prohibited transaction. So, for example, uh, let's say you do some novel investments in your IRA and they include vacation property. So you use your funds, you invest in rental property like a beach house in Hilton Head. Uh, but then you use that house for yourself to stay in for vacation. That's a prohibited transaction. And that violates the IRA. It causes taxes and penalties. Um, talk to your financial advisor. I'm not a financial advisor. I did used to do some tax law, but talk to your financial advisor on this. Now, the problem here is this, this couple in 2015 began moving nearly $750,000 of existing retirement funds uh, from a MetLife annuity and a 401k in stock into self-directed IRAs. Then they had the IRAs purchase shares in limited liability companies that in turn invested $730,000 in a condominium plus gold and silver American Eagle coins. All of that was legal, by the way. All of that was legal. By using an LLC, the IRA, IRA owner doesn't have to use a custodian or ask a custodian to cut a check to play the plumber for repairs to a rental property, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in an IRA audit, Mr. McNulty, a Rhode Island-based plant manager at a sailcloth factory, conceded he engaged in prohibited transactions. What were the transactions? Well, whether the storage of about $411,000 of gold and silver coins in a safe in the house were permitted under law. According to the case, Mrs. McNulty had opened a bank account and she put everything in an IRA, but then she put them in a safe deposit box and then moved them to the couple's safe in their house. Because she had direct control of them, it was a prohibited transaction and they got whacked by the IRS. So if you have gold and silver coins as part of your IRA, this is the bottom line here. If you have gold and silver coins as part of your IRA and you have them in your house or in a safe deposit box that only you control, you need to go talk to a financial advisor because you could be in real big trouble with the IRS. Go talk to, don't call me and ask me. I'm not a financial advisor. But you probably do need to go to, and I say this because I know I don't do these advertisements, but I know they're very common, and I know people who have done these things, and hopefully they're all using trustees 
to keep their gold and silver coins. You know why I don't use gold and silver coins uh, for investment right now? It's fine for a convertible stable asset, but it's very, very stable. Um, gold is not really a hedge against inflation. It's not really a hedge against inflation, uh, nor is it something that appreciates very much uh, over time. And I know a lot of people say that, but now when you look at the data, not really. Uh, now, one day I may need to buy gold just to diversified assets, stake and things like that, but I'm not there yet. I, I hope to someday be there. I hope to be in in uh, priority jet territory one day soon and, and gold and silver coin territory, but I'm not there. And most people aren't, but a lot of people decide they're going to do it because they get spooked thinking that it's some sort of major appreciable asset when if you chart out the price of gold over time, not really. All right, I got to move on to one more story here. I want you to know two names. Some of you already know these names. Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss are two victims of a terrible lie. Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss were ballot processors for Fulton County, Georgia in the 2020 election. Some activists on the right claimed that Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, her daughter, were engaged in vote fraud. They are now filing a major defamation lawsuit against Gateway Pundit, a notoriously nutty, unreliable site. Ms. Moss, Ms. Freeman, well, Ms. Moss worked for the Fulton County Elections Board in Georgia. That's the Atlanta area. Ms. Freeman was a temporary employee. According to the New York Times, they were ensnared by the Trump-supporting media and Mr. Trump himself after Gateway Pundit published dozens of false stories about them starting last December and continuing through this November. The stories called the two women crooked Democrats and claimed that they pulled out suitcases full of ballots and began counting those ballots without election monitors in the room. Investigations conducted by the Georgia Secretary of State's office found that the two women did nothing wrong and were legally counting ballots. It all began one month after the 2020 election on December 3rd when a lawyer for Mr. Trump's campaign played a spliced segment of surveillance video footage for a Georgia Senate committee. The lawyer falsely claimed Fulton elections workers pulled 18,000 fraudulent ballots from a suitcase and illegally fed them through the voting machine. Keep in mind, yes, it was edited footage that was shown. Most of the people who saw it didn't know it. The accusation was quickly debunked, but nevertheless amplified by Rudy Giuliani and the Trump allies. A week after the first Gateway Pundit story, Mr. Giuliani compared Ms. Moss and Ms. Freeman to drug dealers and called for their homes to be searched. Mr. Trump himself invoked Ms. Freeman's name 18 times in his call with Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State. I got to tell you about this. The lawsuit was filed in Missouri where James Hoft lives, the proprietor of Gateway Pundit. This is what these two women went through because of this terrible lie. They received death threats, unending harassment from phone calls and text messages, and unsolicited pizza deliveries to their homes and racial slurs directed at them. 
The harassment was detailed in a Reuters article published Wednesday, including 911 calls Mrs. Freeman had to make, Ms. Freeman had to make, because Trump supporters showed at her house, banged on the door. She earns $36,000 a year from Fulton County. Ms. Moss does. Ms. Freeman earned $16 an hour helping process the election. She was forced to shut down an online business that sold fashion accessories because of all the threats. She had to vacate her house. A crowd surrounded Ms. Freeman's home in Cobb County, Georgia, some on foot, some in vehicles, others equipped with a bullhorn, according to the lawsuit. The FBI encouraged Ms. Freeman to move out of her house. Ms. Moss' cell phone uh, was so busy, her son had to turn the phone cellular data off to stop unsolicited calls, but he couldn't do that during school hours, and he used the phone as a mobile hotspot to connect to his computer to the Internet during virtual school. Her son wound up failing his classes. He couldn't get through on the virtual school because the phone kept getting so many phone calls to harass his mom, all because of a lie. So now they're suing. Good for them. I hope they get every penny and then some that they're seeking. No one should be treated like that. And the conspiracy theorists are not going to stop until they're forced to pony up. It was shameful, shameful, shameful conduct. Whether you believe the election was stolen or not, these two women had nothing to do with it. They are victims here. And good for them for taking action and standing up for themselves. Well, the conservative movement itself needs to stand up for itself, shut down the grifters and the hucksters and the fraudsters. One of the companies that's out there that's really helping the conservative movement move forward, helping it build, is Patriot Mobile. They donate a portion of their proceeds, a portion of their profits to the conservative movement, to the good portions of the conservative movement that are advancing the Second Amendment cause, the pro-life cause, veterans and first responder causes, uh, all the good conservative issues conservatives care about, Patriot Mobile stands for. You can use Patriot Mobile as your cell phone provider. They use the same towers the other companies use. Congress allows startup phone companies to do this. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Or you call them, they're 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT, and you tell them I sent you. And they've got a great service. They're good people. You know, you can go online and you can check their maps. They've got great coverage maps online. You get 5G, you get data, you get voice, you get a reasonable price, you get great discounts. If you're an NRA member, a veteran, first responder, large family with multi-lines, really good company. And they're really great people, and they share your values, and they commit a portion of their profits to the causes you care about. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or again, 972-PATRIOT. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are in the United States, if you're in charge of the finances of a business and you want to grow, reach out to First Liberty. First Liberty Building and Loan, their website, First Liberty GA. First Liberty GA. They are truly great American patriots who want to help your business. If you need six-figure loans and up big deals for big deals for people who want to become a big deal, firstlibertyga.com. I, I, I have noticed something today. In, on Wednesday in the oral arguments for Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health, Amy Coney Barrett, the newest justice of the Supreme Court, raised the issue of adoption. And was trying to suss out if there is a uh, difference between the burden of parenting and the burden of pregnancy. And there is. There, there, there is a difference in that burden. They are not the same thing. One lasts nine months. The other goes on for a while. It's really expensive. 
when your kid wants a car. But nonetheless, I digress. She's an adoptive mother. She and her husband adopted two children from Haiti. And you will remember, I think, that she was smeared by progressive activists back then, claiming that she had broken up a family or she had smuggled the kids out or done an inappropriate adoption, something she was attacked for this. Well, guess what? Today, the New York Times is going all anti-adoption. And I told you all yesterday, this is one of those things, man, I wish I had bookmarked yesterday. They are running multiple op-eds, including one by a woman who claims that adoption is severely traumatic. And I just can't. uh, What are these kids? I realize not every parent is perfect and every parent makes mistakes. I was trying to tell my child the other night that um, if you want to be defined by your trauma, you're going to wind up being a broken soul. But you don't have to be defined by your trauma. That's a choice. You can choose to heal. Some people don't want to and some of these people don't. What's amazing here, though, is how they're rushing out to uh, denounce adoption now that Amy Coney Barrett made that point on Wednesday. Uh, A buddy of mine sends me this. At New York Magazine, Aaron Carman finds an adoptee, a black daughter of white parents, who explicitly argues that from a welfare of the mother standpoint, an adoption is preferable to adop- an abortion is preferable to adoption. The same adoptee also cites as a matter of the wrongs of adoption involving different races, a youth that I'm mentoring right now, a black son of white parents. What's wrong with the white parents? Well, the dad's a cop who believed that Derek Chauvin did not murder George Floyd and he wears Blue Lives Matter stuff. And it's worth noting that Carmen literally wrote the book on pop culture fetishization of the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, whose views on the social utility of abortion were, well, easily expressible in German. Again, from my email correspondent at the New York Times, someone named Elizabeth Spears writes at length about how much easier it is to proclaim herself a Brooklynite and then list pronouns uh, to apparently be relatable, um, then, and how easy, much easier it is to kill a child in the womb than to adopt them and how we shouldn't be making people adopt or even encouraging adoption. These people just want to kill kids. 